This is Matt Woodley with Monday Morning Preacher, and I'm here with my co-host today, Kevin Miller. And uh, Kevin, it's been a rough time for preachers and churches in our Chicagoland area. Oh man, it seems like God is bringing uh, judgment to the house of God first, and he is exposing things and bringing down leaders who have misused their leadership positions and trust. It's uh, it's, it's sobering. Been, it's been very sobering. Pre- preachers either blowing up with moral failures or just emotional, physical burnout. Uh, of course, it's not just Chicago. It's just been all around. Yeah, I was so distressed about the recent uh, report about Jean Vanier, the uh, founder of the L'Arche Communities, who's been a hero of mine and many. Uh, it's, it's really a... a it is just distressing. Yeah, it is. So it's kind of a downer of a way to start, but I, I, I know we've done a lot of episodes about preaching skills, but I don't think we've talked a lot, or enough at least, about the preacher's character. Hmm. So full disclosure, folks, as you, and as you know, Kevin, because we've been friends for 25 years, about 12 years ago, I was one of those uh, burnout, blow-up cases. I was pastoring a church out on Long Island. I was preaching regularly, sometimes up to 45 times a year, but... Inside my soul was dying, even in the midst of preaching great truths. I, I would say I was, you know, getting, to borrow a phrase from the novelist Walker Percy, I was getting A's in preaching, but flunking other areas of my life. I just didn't have time to build the character infrastructure in my life. So that came to a head, of course. Yeah, so I made one of the best, I call it one of the, my best pastoral decisions of my life. I resigned, mm-hmm. knowing when to quit, you know? So, yeah. I just I realized I needed to work on uh, some things in my own soul, um, so eventually I moved to Chicago and was not planning on getting back involved in pastoral ministry, started working for Christianity Today, and uh, so that was my life plan at that point. But I guess God had other plans. Yeah, so through just some marvelous healing that God's done in my life, I'm pastoring and preaching again, but I feel like I'm just a completely different person in the pulpit in a lot of ways. Mm. In particular, I just have this real passion to put character before pastoral excellence, you know? Yeah. So I'm asking myself some questions on a regular basis, and these are sort of diagnostic questions for the preacher and his or her character. Okay, so it's like a spiritual health checkup. Yeah, spiritual health audit. Okay. As our... uh, a guy named Fred Smith used to say in a famous Leadership Journal article. So here's the first question. Am I receiving God's Word with meekness? That's interesting. I would not have expected you to say that or start with that. What do you mean by receiving God's Word with meekness? Well, it's, it comes from James chapter 1, where he says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word, which is able to serve your, save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So I think there's this, this deception that can come into preaching when we are uh, passionately telling people what to do uh, and doing it very you know, eloquently and everything. We can deceive ourselves into thinking that we're actually putting it into practice. So hmm. in some ways, I was you know, at the 30,000-foot level. I was preaching concepts that I really believed in, but I wasn't taking the time to actually always integrate them into my life. Yeah, so you were talking out beyond what you were walking. Exactly. And that's a danger for all of us as preachers. You know what's interesting, Matt? I remember reading and hearing some of your messages from that season of your life when yeah. you were nearing the burnout phase. Right. And they were really good messages. I mean, the gospel was clear. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I didn't used to think that would be possible, that like if yeah. your soul was in real trouble, 
I figured it would come out in your sermons, but with you, it was not readily apparent. You know, I think I, I, I truly believed it, and my heart was there, and I think my head was there, but just in the, the hectic pace of mm. senior pastor life, yeah. raising four teenagers, and it was like, I just was not taking the time to mm. cultivate my own soul as the way I needed to. Yeah. So receiving God's word with meekness, yeah. that's a great So second great question, question is, here's another diagnostic question. Does someone, or hopefully some people, really know me? Mm. Um, in other words, am I accountable? You know, James would say, am I confessing my sins to someone? There's a Christian therapist named Chuck DeGroat just came out with a new book on narcissists in the church, and I, I don't think I was a narcissist, you know? I had other issues, but uh, no. that's one I won't claim. But he calls, uh, you know... There's vulnerability, and then there's what he calls uh, phonability, F-A-U-X. Fake vulnerability. Fake vulnerability. And he says, here's what he says, it's a twisted form of vulnerability. It has the appearance of transparency, but serves only to to conceal one's deepest struggles. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I... The Holy Spirit convicted me around something like this, Matt, some years ago, where somebody came up to me after a sermon and said, I can't believe you shared that and confessed that about yourself. That was so vulnerable. That was so transparent. Uh, yeah. Man, that was just amazing. And I realized I was getting all these strokes yep. for being willing to talk about that in the pulpit. And then I realized that then the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and how serious are you about changing that? Oh, wow. And I realized I hadn't given one morsel of thought to actually changing yeah. or amending my life. Yeah. I just wanted the credit for talking about it. Yeah. And I realized, wow, this is really dangerous. I, I, I could see how I could readily keep falling into this. Right. In our uh, Oprah-ized confessional culture, you get a lot of strokes for yeah. being sort of vulnerable. And you can think you're really being vulnerable when you're not. So. I have a guy that I check in with uh, two or three times a week, and uh-huh. we, we have this like short, short little liturgy of questions that we ask each other around our biggest tent- temptations, and I need that spiritual discipline. And so I've incorporated that into my life for the last 10 years. That's fantastic. I, I go to a, a, a mentor every four to six weeks, and, and what I talk about are all those areas in my soul that if they are left unaddressed will create problems. Mm. Places where I have some simmering anger, place where I'm coming out of my need to be liked by everybody. And so I can't do what's responsible in this context. Places where I'm needing to control or over control instead of trusting God in that situation. And boy, is that helpful to me? I, I, I love what Rick Warren said. He said, if we would confess our temptations, we wouldn't have to confess as many sins. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. So the there's the fake vulnerability, then there's the true vulnerability, where mm. you're really actually dealing with the real stuff in your life. So uh, another question, third question I ask myself is, uh, is my prayer life growing? Um, now, that's a very simple question. I referred to that Leadership Journal article about 15 years ago from a guy named Fred Smith called Conducting a Spiritual Audit. And it's a great article to do an audit on the state of your own soul. But Smith wrote this. He said, one test of my prayer life is this. Do my decisions have prayer as an integral part? Or do I make decisions out of my desires and then immerse them in a sanctimonious sauce I call prayer? <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> sanctimonious sauce. Yeah. You I'm know, hit t- the sauce again. <laughs> the sanctimonious sauce. 
You know, to me, when that happens, Matt, it's almost always because we're moving too fast. Mm. When yeah. I when I shifted yeah. from uh, being a, uh, an editor and executive yeah. uh, into the pastorate, I asked some people who had made midlife career changes into pastoral work what advice they would give me. And one guy said, here's my advice. Slow down to the speed of God. Ooh, yeah. And I realized we need to slow down if we really want to discern what God is doing, if we want to hear from Him. And when we move too fast is when we get into what you were just talking about. Yeah. So the church I'm at now has this wonderful practice or expectation of pastoral staff, and that is that you would take, once a month, you'll take a prayer day. It's paid. It's not vacation. It's on just, the clock. Just go off. Be with God. Don't come here. Don't check your email. Don't call us. We'll not call you. You know, um, just be with God. And uh, your wife Karen, who used to be the executive pastor of our church, instituted that. So thank you, Karen Miller. Yeah. Shout out to you. You want to give a shout out to your wife? <laughs> well, just to say that she she's a leadership coach with uh, Strength in Your Leadership and. Uh, one of the biggest issues that Christian leaders bring to her is their calendar, because the calendars are cram-jammed, as mm. we all know, Yeah, and they're overflowing, and it's affecting who they are as people and their ability to really pastor and stay in touch with the Lord. And so she spends a lot of time working with people on stuff like monthly prayer days, weekly Sabbaths, yeah. um, putting more space when you get back from a trip and all those kind of things. Yeah, that's that's great. And actually, I applied something from her yesterday. When you have a really intense day, we had three Ash Wednesday services yesterday in our church, and I preached at all three of them. It was a 15-hour day. She's like, build in time before and then time afterwards to, to rest. And yeah. I did that. So I got out of the office early on Tuesday. Um, I took a two-hour break in the middle of that 15-hour day, just went to a coffee shop, did some reading. Uh, that was Karen who, who taught me that. So we have, uh, am I receiving God's word with meekness? Does, does someone really know me? Is my prayer life growing? And then just one more, uh, is my affection for Jesus and the gospel growing warmer? Mm. Um, I'm really attracted to that word affection these days. I would not, 10 years ago, I would not have considered myself an affection affectionate person. I didn't like that. I didn't really use that word. Uh, Jonathan Edwards once said that he that has doctrinal knowledge and speculation only without affection never is engaged in the business of religion. Like, mm. You don't got the real thing if you don't have uh, affection. So I'm, I'm asking, is there tenderness and wonder in my heart? Is there a growing affection for Jesus and his people and his word and his work? Yeah, you know, I, I think it is true, Matt, that we, as preachers, we can get pulpit burn. Yeah. It's like freezer burn. Mm. The food is still there, but it's losing its sweetness and, and flavor. And often it comes when we are moving too fast and we haven't dealt with some disappointments, uh, frustrations, whatever, and, and the pace is doing violence to our souls, and we just, we need to get away. Yeah. To me, that that sense of affection growing colder is to me a sign I need a retreat. Hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. And and maybe I need counseling. I, I need to get back to my right. my better self. But you need to change something. Yeah. Because this is not you just can't go on this way. No. Yeah. A role model for me of Jesus centered affection is from my first church in a little town of five hundred people in northern Minnesota. A retired uh uh, shout out to Barnum. Yeah, fuel truck driver and uh turkey farmer Willis. 
Willis Finnefrocks. Yeah, he, oh, one of the Finnefrocks. One of the famous Finnefrocks. You have immortalized them in your oh, preaching. Man. So this guy, he could not sing those old gospel classic hymns, you know, like How Great Thou Art. Mm. The guy could not get through. He sang in the choir, but he couldn't get through a, a, a stanza or a chorus without tearing up <sighs> uh, just because his affection for the Lord and the gospel was just so warm and hot, you know, and I think, mm-hmm. Lord, I want to be more like that guy. Yeah. All right. May we all be like uh, Willis Finnefrock. Yeah. <laughs> well, so preachers, I, I know we talk a lot about growing as a preacher on this podcast and specific skills, and that really matters. Get all the skills you can get. Keep learning from other preachers. Pursue preaching excellence. But there's something that comes uh, before that, always must come before that, and that's growth in Christ-like character and goodness. Uh, that is really our first and essential calling as a preacher. And as Kevin was talking about, if that's if there's something, or if I've been talking about, if there's something misaligned, something disordered in your soul right now, make it the first priority to go before the Lord and, and get a person, trusted person, and to start dealing with that. Because there is great hope. Our Lord, our God is the God of restoration, and He can not just restore our people, but us as preachers. So, amen. Matt Woodley with Monday Morning Preacher. Thanks for joining us on this episode.